Well, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome back. We're uh, studying Don't Limit God by Andrew Womack. Uh, I think this is our fourth week. Yes. Uh, fourth weekend into this. We're still actually in chapter one. It's a long chapter, so we're taking a little while to get through chapter one. But uh, Don't Limit God by Andrew Womack. Sherry and I went to the Bible College, Karis Bible College, between 2013 and 2016. They graduated uh, from the third year program, and so... Uh, anyway, here we here we are. So we're saying Don't Limit God. Uh, we have actually the recordings from the last three weeks on our website. Our website is posted below. Uh, on, uh, actually, Sherry's putting it in right now. LighthouseDiscipleship.org is our website. And uh, we're gonna while we're still in the quarantine, we're going to keep doing this Bible study on Facebook Live uh, until further notice. And uh, anyway, we're, we're excited about this. So anyway, here we are tonight, and we're going to jump into... Uh, we're kind of in the uh, mid-chapter here. This first chapter is called Run, Wrong Beliefs. And Andrew's, Andrew's addressing, you know, wrong thinking. And, and so uh, I'm not going to necessarily recap everything we've done the last few weeks. You just have to uh, look at our, uh, either scroll down on my our timeline here on Facebook or go to our website and look at those messages there. We've had good attendance every week. Uh, we've had at least 60 followers every week uh, from different countries all over the world, including here in our own backyard here in Southern California. Anyway, um, here we are again, and we're excited. We had some good participation last week, some comments, questions. Some I was able to answer right away. Some I had to answer a little later in the evening uh, when I was able to get, uh, to get to it. Anyway, but thank you for your participation last week. So again, if you have any questions, comments throughout this Bible study, hopefully pertaining to what we're talking about. Uh, if it's another question regarding something else, I'll answer it, but I'll answer it uh, at a later time. Uh, but if it's pertaining to what we're talking about, I can answer it hopefully right away, or as soon as I can. So anyway, um, uh, here we are, don't love God. And uh, even if you just uh, make a comment of saying hello, where you're from, uh, that would just be great, uh, so we can see where, where, who we're reaching from around the world. Uh, so without, the, without further ado, I'm just going to let Sherry be our narrator. She's going to narrate and read uh, some of our section here uh, this evening. And here we go. So. Alright, there should be a difference between Christians and those who don't know God. Believers are alive and non-believers are dead. There's a difference between a corpse and someone who's alive. Some Christians are as sick as their neighbors, as poor as their neighbors, as depressed as their neighbors, and as negative as their neighbors who don't even know God. If some Christians were arrested for being Christians, there wouldn't even be enough evidence to convict them. There ought to be a difference. God made everyone for more than what they are experiencing in their lives. God made Christians for more than average. If they are average, that means they aren't good or bad. They are lukewarm. Revelation 3.16 God made every Christian special. If they aren't feeling that way, they need to take the limits off God. This is not only true in health, finances, and the things happening in this world, but it's also true in the spiritual realm. Most people aren't truly seeking God and listening to Him. They do not have a close relationship with him, so they start thinking, well, most people don't see things come to pass, so it's okay for me not to see total victory either. They limit God by the way they think. An example of this is what happened after the 9-11 terrorist attacks. The income for most ministries 
decreased anywhere from 25 to 40% after September 11, 2001, because everyone's attention was focused on the attacks. People stopped watching television and listening to the radio except to view or hear about the events of 9-11 and its aftermath. Everyone was trying to figure out what was going on. People were mostly given to the Red Cross and other similar organizations. Most major ministries were on the verge of going under during that time. But since 9-11, our ministry's income has tripled. It increased substantially. Immediately after 9-11, we were increasing. We even had months with record-setting income. If this worked for us, it could have worked for everyone. God is no respecter of persons, Romans 2.11. Believers should be doing better than the average person. After all, Jesus died to deliver us from the, this present evil world, Galatians 1.4. But sadly, that is not every believer's experience. Are you limiting what God wants to do for you or through you by comparing yourself with others? Do you really want to just be like everyone else with the same diseases and the same financial and emotional problems? You need to go to the Word and find out what it says. God's Word will make you far, far, far above and not beneath. And the Lord shall make thee the head and not the tail, and that shall be above only, and thou shalt not be beneath. If thou hearken unto the commandments of the Lord thy God, which I command thee this day, to observe and to do them. Deuteronomy 28.13 If we ask people how they're doing, they might say, well, pretty good under the circumstances. We need to tell them to get out from under there. We are supposed to be above only and not beneath. We're the head and not the tail. We're supposed to be rejoicing in the midst of problems. There are no excuses, but there are reasons we have problems. I'm not condemning anyone. Now, I'm not saying we live in a perfect world where everything is always going to be rosy, but I am saying that God did not create anyone for failure. If we are experiencing failure, He doesn't want us to live that way. God loves us. He wants us to win. He created us to be winners. We are winners. All right. Thank you, Sherry. So, again, we're reading Don't Limit God. This is part four. Uh, from the uh, last few weeks, we have... Our previous recordings on our website at lighthousediscipleship.org. Uh, feel free to make any comments, uh, say hello, even tell us where you're from. That would be great. At least what uh, part of the country or, or uh, uh, what country you're from. That would be even even great as well. Anyway, we're talking about Don't Limit God, and Sherry just read a section where uh, the title of this chapter is Wrong Beliefs. We're still actually in chapter one. It's a long chapter. But uh, so I want to piggyback on some comments that Andrew made in this uh, in this uh, in his book here. He says there should be a difference between Christians and those who don't know God, and I totally agree with that. We should be different. I'm not just talking about morality, although I agree we should be more godly. We should live more righteously. We should live holy, or uh, as He is holy. And I'm not just talking about that. I'm not even trying to water that down. At the same point in time, we should live different. You know, we shouldn't be as sick as the world. We shouldn't uh, be as the world is. Yes, in this world, even if, even if we have never done anything wrong, even if we never sinned, Jesus said that there will be tribulation in this world. He said that. He promised that. And we're not, we're not promised that everything's going to always be a bed of roses. 
But Jesus did say, I even read this this morning in my message, these things I have, I'm reading from John 16:33. He says, these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. We should be cheerful. God has overcome the world. We don't need to be under our circumstances. We are to be above our circumstances. We are in Christ. Christ is in us. There should be a difference. Uh, and one of the key things he said here in the second paragraph is many people don't have a close relationship with God. You know, it seems like everything we talk about, everything we preach on, boils down to our relationship with God. I, was talk I started a new teaching series this morning on the, the spirit of joy. And one of the areas I focus on this morning is that we need to abide in Him. If we're going to have the fruit, and the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, etc. We're talking about joy this morning, so I focus on joy. But if the fruit of the Spirit is going to be evident in our lives, then we need to be abiding in Him. You can't abide in the vine. You can't have fruit unless you're abiding in the vine. You have, we just... Uh, Sherry and I, we just did some, uh, planted some things in our garden this week, some plants, tomato plants, and some seeds, some avocado seeds and whatnot. Uh, we've been trimming some other areas that have been overgrown. And, and so anyway, you know, unless it's abiding in the vine, unless, it's, uh, unless the branch is abiding in the vine, there's not going to be fruit. But the branch is going to bear the fruit of what the vine is. And, you know, we, we uh, God's an overcomer. And uh, we, we were born into victory. There's so many different things I could go, uh, uh, side trails I can get on. But uh, my point I'm trying to get across is that we, if we're going to be an overcomer, if we're not going to limit God, if we're going to live to our full potential, if I'm, I'm, and I'll tie this back into godliness and holiness. If we're going to live holy, if we're going to live godly, if we're going to obey God, if we're going to experience wholeness and, and, and divine healing and divine health, if we're going to experience uh, uh, God's provisioning and to be the head and not the tail, as Andrew was talking about, then we need to have a relationship with God. Everything boils down to the relationship with God. Jesus did nothing without spending time with the Father. We need to prioritize our relationship with God. I understand a lot of us, are under, most of us are under quarantine. We have all the time in the world right now to have a close relationship with God. But even when we get back to normal, Maybe some of us have had, uh, this is, they, this is, they, their normal hasn't really changed that much. Mine hasn't. I work from home, and so I, I, I haven't really felt the, the effects of it in the sense of, of this whole quarantine, of being quarantined, because I'm already, at, I'm already at home. One thing I like about it, my wife's home more, and so, uh, and so that's, that's good. But at the same point in time, you know, we need to prioritize our relationship with God. Whether we're going through a crisis or everything's good, we need to prioritize our relationship with God. And we're not even going to, uh, you know, and out of that relationship, there should, and if our lives are not living to God's full potential, there should be what I call a holy dissatisfaction. Something should rise up in our hearts, you know what, we're not living to our full potential of what God has for us. And how are we even going to know what that full potential is? Of a relationship with God. As we have a relationship with God, we're going to know His will. We're going to know what He desires. It's going to be burning in our hearts. And so, um, anyway, so uh, there's a lot, a lot of things I could piggyback on. Plus, uh, I want to piggyback on something else here. Um, I already talked about that. No, let me just say this again. Andrew says, 
God's word will make you far, far, far above and, and not beneath. In other words, he, he, he reads from Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 13, says, And the Lord shall make thee to be the head and not the tail, and thou shalt be above only, and, not, and thou shalt not be beneath. If, if that thou hearken unto the commandments of the Lord thy God, which I command you this day to observe and to do them. We should let be, be ahead and not to tell. We should be far above and, not, above and not beneath. We are the children of God. We are the people of God. Uh, going back to the very first comment Andrew made tonight in, in uh, what we read, there should be a difference between the Christian and the world. There should be those, a difference between a believer and a non-believer. We need to live by our faith. And, uh, and the just should live by his faith. Uh, you know, and so anyway, I'm, I feel like I can piggyback on so much, but it's just, uh, I just want to agree with what Andrew's saying here, is that we need to have a relationship with God, and we, we need to be living, we need to be living different, different than the world, but unless we're plugged in to God, unless we're abiding in Him, Jesus said we can't do nothing unless we're plugged into the vine. We're not going to be different than the world. We're going to be just as poor, just as sick, just as just as ungodly as the world is, if we're not having a relationship with God. It starts with a relationship with God, and that's the key point. Anything you want to share? I do, actually. Um, I wanted to piggyback um, again on Dave's message this morning, as well as what Dave's been and Andrew have been talking about. Um, by all means, relationship with God. That is the top answer, the best answer um, but, but my comment on it, you know, almost any conversation you have, Dave and I, is always pretty much going to bring up that comment, a relationship with God, relationship with God. And if there's anyone out there who is wondering, well, what does that look like? How do I have a relationship with God? It, it all starts with the practical. Meditate on His Word. Talk to God about His Word. God, your Word says this. Tell me about it. Um, you know, Dave and I like to spend time together. We play games. We do projects around the house, chores around the house. We'll go on errands together. We'll have date nights. A lot of different things. And, you know, going to church is a start with a relationship with God because there is something beautiful about corporate worship and just the, the fellowship of the saints getting together. But relationship with God, just just start with the very basic. Don't make it anything bigger or more more scary or intense that, you know, complicated. That's the word I'm looking for. Because it all goes down to just spending time with him. Talk to him. You know, in when Dave and I talk to each other, I say something, he says something, he'll make a comment. He'll ask for feedback, ask questions, I respond, and that's how we talk to God. He talks to us, and the, the more that you spend that time with God, the more that you, you reach out to Him and, and talk to Him, the more you'll be able to understand and know His voice when He, because He is talking to us. We just don't always know because we, we, we haven't practiced hearing his, his, his voice in, in our hearts. Um, if you have more questions about relationship with God so we can explain it better, please feel free to reach out, make comments on it. Um, 
but I also wanted to piggyback on Dave's message this morning because it, it, it seems to tie in with Andrew's message. Um, Dave talked about being of good cheer for I have overcome the world. He, he was quoting Jesus, but there's also a verse in 1 John 5. It says, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. What greater joy as a Christian to know that the God of the universe, our Lord and Savior, our Holy Spirit, lives inside of us. And if He overcame the world and He lives in us, then we are overcomers. So as Christians, the don't limiting God, part of that is having joy and being of good cheer because of the one who lives in us. I mean, that is the best thing ever. I, I wish I had big enough words to explain how wonderful that is. And if we as Christians got that, we would have joy overflowing and just spilling out of us. And one little uh, nugget that Dave didn't realize that he said, but I got out of his message, is having a joyful heart gives us an, an attitude of expectation. And part of not limiting God is expecting His Word to work, expecting the Lord who is the overcomer to, you know, break down what the, the things in our life that are trying to overcome us. We are overcomers. And part of not limiting God is realizing that and just living a life of joyful expectation. Amen. Amen. There's so much I can piggyback on all that. Uh, really good, Sherry. So, you know, uh, you know we, we're we overcomers. We're fighting for, from victory. We're not fighting for victory because we have the victory in Christ Jesus. And, you know, it even goes back to the verse, uh, passage of Scripture that we read last week. Uh, but it's been reading, this has been reading in my heart over the last few weeks. But it says in Ephesians chapter 1, Paul's praying a prayer. He's praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. God wants us to get revelation and knowledge uh, in the knowledge of Him. And we can only get that through a relationship with God. He goes on to pray that the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of, the of His calling. Excuse me. What are the riches of his, the glory of His inheritance in the saints? And what is exceeding, excuse me, greatness of His power towards us who believe, according to the working of His mighty power, which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him in His right hand in the heavenly, in the heavenly places, far above all principality, and power and might and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And He put all things under His feet and gave Him to be the head over all things to the church, which is His body, the fullness of all who is in all. I know I read a lot there from Ephesians, but that prayer from Paul has just been resounding in my heart over the last few weeks. But just, it goes back to uh, what Sherry was talking about, being an overcomer, you know. And I even started off tonight by reading from uh, John 16:33, where Jesus says, In this world you're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. There's going to be tribulation in this world. There's a lot of stuff going on in our world. There's a lot of stuff going on in our country, our state, our own backyard. 
uh, in, in many ways. And there's going to be tribulation. Jesus prophesied. John prophesied. Paul, James, Saint Peter, they all prophesied that these things would happen. But we can, over, we can be of good cheer because he has overcome the world. And we don't have to be under the circumstances. We can be above the circumstances because we are in Christ and Christ is in us. Jesus said we're going to have tribulation in this world. Paul had tribulation. He called it light affliction compared to knowing Christ. And compared to us having a relationship with God, any affliction that we go through, including this quarantine and everything else, uh, uh, we can rejoice because we have a relationship with God. And, uh, and so we should be rejoicing in the midst of our problems. Uh, uh, and not, and with, that we, with that relationship with God, and everything Sherry shared and whatnot, you know, we can overcome a lot of stuff. We don't have to limit God. We don't have to be subject to a lot of stuff. Uh, but we can overcome it uh, by the power of the blood and the, the word of our testimony. Yeah. Amen? All right, well, let's read a little bit more. Sherry's going to read a little bit more. This section's called, You Can Do It. When the Lord spoke to me and told me that I was limiting him, I called my staff together. I told them that I didn't know how long it would take for me to change the image I had on the inside, but I knew I had limited God. I had not seen myself doing what God told me to do. I had told some people what God had spoken to me, but I couldn't see it. I said, I don't know how long it takes to change this image on the inside. It may take a week, a month, a year. Or 10 years but I will change I will do what God called me to do I honestly didn't have a clue how long it would take within one week my whole life was turned right side up I had been trying to get on the second largest television network in the nation for two years I've been on this network over five times as a guest I was allowed to preach for 45 minutes at a time and I was even friends with the people who ran it Yet every time I tried to get on their network as a regular programmer, I was given a price that was double their rate card. My media buyer would also try to get me on, but it seemed like the network didn't want me on there. It didn't make sense why I couldn't get on this network when I was personal friends with those who ran it. But within two days of telling my staff that I made the decision to change the image on the inside of me, I got a letter from my friend asking why I wasn't on his network. He said he didn't know what the problem was, but that I could plan on starting my programming on Monday and that they would work out the financial details later. Within one week, I was on that network and our television outreach increased tremendously. In another situation, Jamie and I had been praying for someone to help us with the ministry because Jamie had been running the ministry as an administrator. She was doing a good job, but it was not her forte. Our ministry was growing beyond us, so we needed help. But would we find someone who had our heart for the ministry and who would let us give our products away? We've given away tens of millions of tapes, books, CDs, DVDs, and other materials free of charge. Every person who helped us run our ministry told me that I was crazy, especially when they saw our finances and how we were struggling. They'd say, sell your stuff, quit giving everything away. So Jamie just took it over and ran it because she had my heart. We agreed that this is what God had told us to do. A few days after I told my staff about my decision, I called one of our board members to cancel a board meeting. 
He told me that he was so glad I called because he and his wife had decided to take an early retirement and they wanted to come to Colorado to help take the ministry to the next level. To make a long story short, he came to work for my ministry. I couldn't believe that someone who had my heart for the ministry with his extensive background expertise would work for me. My ministry was small and the income was pitiful, yet he took an early retirement to come and help me. When I made that decision in my heart to change and stop limiting God, instantly our television ministry tripled and God started bringing in the best people to help us. Then it took me two months to send a letter to our partners telling them what God had spoken to my heart about limiting him. It took another month for them to respond to my letter. So it was three months total before people heard this from me. But before that, within a week or two, our income began to explode. Nobody knew anything. They didn't respond to me. There is something that happens in the spiritual realm when you start believing God. You've got to see God's purpose for your life and take the limits off Him. Believe He has something more for you than you are experiencing in your life. When I took the limits off God and started doing what He called me to do, our ministry took off. Over the next 12 years, our incoming phone calls increased by about 1,500%. Now, over 1.1 million visit my website per month, roughly 37,000 visits a day. My ministry employs over 300 people, up from 30 in 2001, and online orders have increased by about 5,000%. The ministry's revenue not including revenue for the Bible College and foreign offices, has increased from about $2.2 million in 2001 to $38 million in 2013. That is a big increase. We, were, we are building a $65 million campus with the first $32 million phase completed in January 2014 and paid for debt-free. This is phenomenal. This is rare. God is multiplying us in every direction we turn, and the best is yet to come. It all started when God told me I was limiting him with my small thinking. When I changed my thinking and started believing differently, I saw the supernatural power of God. Many of you want these results as you read this book, but are hesitant to receive the spark that caused this explosion in my life. But you can't have the fruit without the root. You can take the limits off God. You can start to see God multiply and increase your effectiveness and transform your life. And it doesn't have to take 10 years. It could start within a week or two if you get your thinking straight. It might take longer for the manifestation to come. A lot of things God began to do in my life were still taking place 5 or 10 years later. But once you make this adjustment in your heart, it's just a matter of time until you see the results in your life. I haven't arrived, but I have left. I'm on my way. Some of you haven't left. Some of you are stuck. Some of you want things to be different. But if you don't change some of the ways you're thinking, you will be back next year in the exact same spot, praying and asking God to do the same things. It's not God who is limiting himself. It's you. You are limit, limiting him by your stinking thinking, and you are going to have to change the way you think. You're going to have to quit comparing yourself to others. 
you're going to have to get in the Word, find people who did the extraordinary, and say that God's no respecter of persons. If He did it for them, He will do it for you. Acts 10.34 Let the Word of God challenge you. Let the Holy Spirit speak through you and paint a picture of who you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to be doing. Start taking the limits off God. Okay, well, thank you, Sherry. So I know that was a big section for her to read. Uh, and uh, we're, again, we're doing a study from Don't Limit God by Andrew Womack. Uh, thank you for joining those who are watching. Feel free to put any comments or questions. We're, not, we're talking about uh, Don't Limit God. We're on our fourth week. We're still in chapter, we're actually finishing chapter one today. It's a long chapter. But uh, Andrew's been talking about Don't Limit God, and he's been specifically talking about uh, we have to change the way we're thinking. And uh, the Bible says, "And the man thinketh, so is he." And you know, we we have, we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. Okay, so we some, uh, we need to change our way we're thinking. And when we change the way we're thinking, you know, uh, some of our expectations, some of our way of thinking, is based on the world. Jesus said that by our traditions, we make the word of God of no effect. Uh, there's other scriptures that come to mind, but. Uh, he made a comment here, and there was a comment earlier, I think Sherry made when we were talk she was talking, but uh, Andrew brought it out again in this section about comparing ourselves. Paul says when we, those who compare themselves among themselves aren't wise. My standard of what uh, God's potential for my life is not based on what I see is happening in other people. My standard for what God wants to do in my life and through my life is not based on the majority. My standard has to be the Word of God. You know, I grew, I grew up in a good Christian home. I grew up going to church. I grew up reading my Bible. And I remember when I was in high school, and I actually did a blog on this, some of the, what I'm going to share a few weeks ago. I think I, I called it a holy dissatisfaction. And I remember uh, it was during my senior year in high school, and uh, a revival was starting in my high school. And some of my... Uh, classmates would get on fire for God and at the beginning I wasn't and it bothered me. It bothered me that my classmates would get on fire for God and I wasn't. It bothered me that I wasn't getting on fire for God and it bothered me. And I remember uh, on one particular night I went home and had my regular Bible reading and I, I just was asking God what's wrong with me? You know? And uh, and I, it was just it was one, the, probably the first intimate time I remember having with God. I, I, I read the Bible, uh, like I said, as a child. I went to church all my life, but I never really remember having a relationship with God. Um, I know I wasn't anti-God, wasn't anti-any of that, but I, I don't remember having a relationship with God until that night. And I, one, I remember one of, the, one of in part of the conversation, I just said, Lord, I see the Word of God. I see the miracles. I see... One of the things that always intrigued me the most, I see... You talk to Adam, I mean, you talk to Adam, Adam talked to you. You talk to Abraham, Abraham talked to you. I saw a dialogue. And in most churches, I see nothing but a monologue. And uh, I was like, uh, what? I, and the miracles and the works of God that I saw in the Bible, I wasn't necessarily seeing in the church. And that bothered me. There was a holy dissatisfaction, what I call, what I call a holy dissatisfaction of not seeing these things. And I and I was, I was kind of wrestling with the Lord, and, and the Lord just, uh, I said, how do I get on fire for you? What, how does this work? And he, he said, read your Bible reading for the day. It just happened to be that my Bible reading for that day, I had actually two Bible readings I was following. The first one had me go to Matthew 6.33. 
Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And all the all these years when I read my Bible reading, I would just read my Bible reading and, and walk away, and I, I kind of like chuck, chuck it off the board. I, I did my I did my chore for the day. But this particular night was different. I said, Lord, what does that mean? <laughs> this is actually one of my favorite verses, but I don't even know what it means. It says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. I was like, what does that look like? What do you mean, seek you? What does that look like? And I, I had been a little arrogant, I thought, in my own mind, but I was like, I want to get this, you know? And, uh, and he says, well, read your next Bible reading. When my next Bible reading happened to be from Jeremiah 29, verse 11, and through verse 13, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans of prospering you, not to harm you, plans to give you a future and a hope. You will call upon me, pray to me, you'll find me when you seek me with all your heart. And God was saying, you seek me with all your heart. And I go, what does that look like? What do you mean seek first the kingdom of God? What do you mean seek you with all your heart? What does that look like? Now, remember, I'm a sophomore in high school at the time, and I'm still not getting what seeking you is, what that looks like. And even in that time, God knew what my three basic prayers were. My three, I mean, we all have prayers, and sometimes when we're in a crisis, we have specific prayers. But I've had three prayers that have always been my biggest prayers all my life, ever since I can remember. And the first one was having uh, uh, having uh, friends. Uh, that has always been the cry of my heart. I've always wanted to have good friends. I, I, I love having friendly people, but I wanted friends. What I call a true Jonathan type of friend. And I, didn't, I wasn't limited to just one. I'm okay with a whole cluster of them. But I wanted at least one. The second one kind of falls under that same category, and I didn't have it in my younger years, but I did as I uh, started to, uh, to uh, get older, and I wanted that special girlfriend. And, uh, and uh, I didn't want it for just romantic reasons. I wanted that girl to be my best friend. And it still falls under the umbrella of a, uh, uh, a good friend, and, and luckily I found my wife, uh, who is my best friend. Um, but my, that prayer still has, hasn't changed. Because uh, even then, my, having friends is still a high priority of my, a prayer of mine. And having uh, a good relationship with my wife is still a high priority of mine. And then my, my third request was all, at the time was, oh, Lord, I want my life to count. I want my life to make a difference. Today, I kind of rephrased that same prayer request. Lord, I want my life to, the, I want my life to count. And in a sense, I want my ministry to count. I want my relationship with my wife to count, with my friends, with my family. I want to make a difference. And uh, I want my life to count. I don't want just to exist. I don't want just my prayers to be answered so I can exist. I want to make a difference. And so those have always been the three cries in my heart. And that God knew those prayer requests because I prayed them all the time. And so when I was asking, what do you mean, seek me with all your heart? What do you mean, seek first the kingdom of God? And I, I, I know more about that now. But what he taught me that particular night when I was a sophomore in high school, he says, I want you to seek me like you seek those friends. I want you to seek me like you seek that girlfriend. I want you to seek me like you seek your purpose in life. When you find me, you will, when you seek me, you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. And out of that relationship with me, God was telling me on a very personal basis, you'll find your purpose. You'll find what you're supposed to do. Anyway, I, I'm trying to tie this all into what Andrew's saying here, is that, you know, we need to take the limits off God. But it starts with a relationship with God. 
It starts with seeking Him first and foremost. Um, my message this morning, Sherry was talking to someone about it, that you know, if, if we need to abide in Him. Apart from Him, we can't do nothing. You know, I was talking about joy this morning. Well, joy is a fruit of the Spirit. And in John 15, he said, uh, Jesus is saying that it's to our Father's glory that you bear much fruit. What fruit? Well, I believe much of the fruit that he's talking about is the fruit of the Spirit. If we're abiding in the vine, our fruit is not going to be different than the vine. If we're abiding in God, if we're walking with God, if we're walking in the Spirit, then the same fruit that comes from the vine should be love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, etc., and all nine attributes of the of the, of the the fruit of the spirit should be evident in our lives. Everything, Jesus did nothing without spending time with the Father. You know, G, we, we we know that Jesus was the Son of God, but He laid that title down to become the Son of Man, so He could go to the cross. He laid that down. He became the Son of Man. He became flesh and blood for us, and and so He had the same challenges we had, and yet He had He, he had a relationship with God. He was baptized with the Holy Spirit at his baptism. And so he depended on the Holy Spirit. He depended on his relationship with God to do everything he did in his earthly ministry. He didn't start his earthly ministry outside of a relationship with God. He didn't, he didn't start his earthly ministry outside of being baptized with the Holy Spirit. We need to spend time with God. We need to spend time in the, with the Holy Spirit. We need to spend time with God. And if, if we're not, you know, part of the thing, one of the things I said this morning is that joy comes from the presence of God. If we're really spending time in God's presence, we're going to be joyful. I don't care what we're going through. I do care if we're going through stuff. I know some of us are going through tough times beyond this coronavirus. I know some people are going through financial health issues and, and relational issues and all kinds of stuff. But uh, we can be joyful in the, in the midst of all of this junk that we're going through. We're going to have tribulation in this world, but be, we should be of good cheer because He has overcome the world. And we need to have a relationship with God. We can't even function in joy. We can't function in love. We can't function. We can't even live a godly life. We can't live a holy life without a relationship with God. It's impossible. Uh, the, the branch can't bear fruit on its own. We can't bear fruit on our own. And we're going to limit God unless we have a relationship with Him. Uh, I'm trying to find something here. Uh, go ahead, Sherry. Do you have anything? Um, I, I do. It's just a, a side of... Uh rabbit trail um, that my mind goes on, off on. You know, Dave and I have had many conversations about not comparing ourselves with, with others. Um, it, it's something that um, I've struggled with when I've seen other people with stronger relationship with, with the Lord and wanting that affirming myself. And um, what just occurred to me listening to, to Andrew's heart in the section I read plus listening to Dave and part of not uh, limiting God is that each one of us was created not only for a purpose but God took infinite loving tender care creating each one of us so individual because each one of us is so dear to his heart and each one of us he on purpose created us, us to be who we are so for me and, and I most of the time I preach to myself even if I'm bringing out a point it's always directed back to to my own heart to listen each one of us was created so dear to God's heart that 
I'm limiting God when I'm when I compare myself to somebody else. Um, the the stronger people in the faith, this how to describe it is that's how I'm describing it. Um, the stronger people in in the faith, they are our examples. Uh, Paul in the Bible, Peter, the different apostles, uh, my parents, Dave's parents, they're all wonderful examples to us. Um, I was also thinking, you know, Dave was saying that each one of us has, has a purpose. Andrew's saying it. I'm saying it. My father-in-law is um, a very gentle, quiet man. And he witnessed to so many people at work by realizing he had done or said something wrong and apologized. And just that simple fact, that simple thing that he did witness to so many people and was so powerful and you don't have to be on a platform you don't have to be like an Andrew reaching millions of people God has called each one of us to a specific particular important role uh, in in the world and we can, cannot again I'm preaching to myself we cannot compare ourselves to anybody else it's not one person more important than the other every one of us is as important and as powerful because God has created us that way you know it's going to be hard for us not to take the limits off God until we first understand who we are in Christ you know uh, we have to have it starts from that relationship with God but as we're plugged in and we have a relationship with God and we get so established and grounded in who we are in his eyes how much he loves us how much he he dies for us and and everything that he he is for us and that we we have the fullness of God on the inside of us and everything you know uh, once we have that like I was reading from Ephesians a minute ago we have that spirit of wisdom and revelation and a knowledge of him that the eyes of our understanding are enlightened that we know the hope of this car we know who we are we know the same power to raise christ from the dead is living on the inside of us and when we have that revelation we can take the limits off god but without that revelation of knowing who we are you know we're going to be comparing ourselves among ourselves which is not wise even Sherry and I can't always compare ourselves among ourselves. That's not why. Sometimes I'm up and she's down. Sometimes she's up and I'm down. You know? And there's different factors. We have to compare ourselves with the Word of God in that sense. Uh, but and with Jesus. But He's living on the inside of us. Jesus says in, it says in Psalm of Psalms, chapter 4, I think it's verse 7. You are all fair, my beloved. There is no spot in you. I love that verse. Because I see, that's how Jesus sees me. He who knew no sin became sin that I might become the righteousness of God in him. That's my favorite verse. Because, that, that, uh, you know, I have some addictions or theories back, years back just before I met Andrew. And actually it was in the season I met Andrew. And I got a revelation of righteousness. Sherry was at a woman's retreat. I was, we, we had lost our home. We were staying with our grandmother. And uh, the ladies were gone for the week, and I was uh, I just got a revelation of righteousness. And I, I don't have all night to teach on this, but I got a revelation of righteousness. I remember standing up in the middle of her grandmother's living room and said, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I got the spirit of revelation and wisdom and the knowledge of Him that I was, if, and I realized if Jesus doesn't have this addiction, then why do I? 
and I got set free that night, and I never had that addiction again. Because I realized I the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and that set me free. Anytime that addiction tried to come back, I now had the antidote to be set free. I didn't have to limit God that I was going to always have this addiction. No, I could be an overcomer because this is... Um, uh, uh, Jesus has over overcome the world. I'm a child of God. You know, one of the great revelations I have in taking the limbs off God is knowing I'm a child of God. G uh, John says in 1 John 3, 1, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. And I was just reading another verse here uh, just a minute ago. And uh, I think it's in 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. And Jesus said, For whatever is born of God, overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. Uh, but there's much more here. I think Sherry just read the verse a minute ago. Do you want to reread that? Do you have it there? Which verse are you? Uh, from First John uh, 5. You are of God, little children, and yeah. have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Yeah. I love that, even that phrase, little children. We are the child of God. God so... Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that he, we should be called the children of God. And even if you read that in, 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 the, in, the, in the Bible, there's an explanation mark. John put an explanation mark on that statement. I mean, he wants us to get it, that we're the children of God. And, and you know, I was going I was saying all that to uh, piggyback on what Andrew said here. He says there is something that is happening in the spiritual realm when you start believing God. I want to say that again. There is something that begins to happen in the spiritual realm when you believe God. And I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to gear that specifically to what I just said. I can, we can gear it towards some other things. But I want, when I believe that I'm a child of God, when I believe I'm in the righteousness of God, when I believe that I can overcome because of Christ in me and what He's done for me, that because I'm a child of God, when I start believing God, when I start taking God at His word, I can overcome. And, we, and he goes on to say, Andrew, you've got to see God's purpose for your life and take the limits off Him. Believe He has something more for you than you are experiencing in your life. And I want to challenge all of us, including myself. I praise God for what God has allowed, I have allowed God to do in my life. God, uh, you know, anything I have not allowed God to do is because I put limits on Him. God wants to do immeasurably more than I can ever act or imagine according to His power that is at work in me. But I want to challenge all of us that I don't believe all of us have been experienced God to the full potential that we could be experiencing God. We have not experienced our life to the full potential. And I'm not saying to condemn anyone. I'm not saying to be mean to anybody. I'm here to, my, as a body of Christ, to spur you on to good deeds. Even in this quarantine, even being uh, how, uh, uh, in lockdown, we are not limited by space and matter. We're not limited from God using us. I mean, even this live stream right now, we're reaching people all over the world. The last few weeks we've done this, we've had 60 viewers from every continent uh, on, the, in, in the, on the planet, just from our living room. And like Sherry said, we don't have to be teachers. We can just love people in our sphere of influence, in our own home. And our, some of us, because we've been so busy, we haven't even spent time with the people in our own home. And the one thing I love about this quarantine, some families are actually getting to know each other again. And I love that. 
you know, and I, I'm not, I don't agree with all this quarantine and everything, and I'm not going there, but even in it all, I see, I'm looking at some of the fruit that's happened, some of the good fruit, and I'm going to magnify that, and I don't, my point I'm trying to get across is that we're, we, we need to take the limits off God. What has God, this whole quarantine did not catch God by surprise. What can we do in this hour? What can we do in this day? I'm not saying that we don't uh, push for some other things in the right way, but at the same point in time, what can we do in this time? What can and what's this quarantine list? What can we do? How do we take the limits off God? Well, we need, first need to know what God wants to do. And I am going back to something Andrew said early on in this chapter a few weeks ago, is that if what God is calling you to do, what you believe God is calling you to do, is something you can do. I want to agree with Andrew says I don't think you've. Heard, I don't think that's God. I believe if God has called you to do something, it will be something that you in the natural can't do. It will be something only God in you can do. It will be something that you have to rely on God to accomplish. That's what God's called you to do. I can't be a good husband without God. I can't be a good pastor without God. I can't do half of what I do without God. Can't do anything without God. We can't do anything. <laughs> we even read that this morning. Apart from Him, we can do nothing. But I believe. But I'm looking at the bigger picture too. God's purpose, God's destiny for your life, you can't do it without God. And I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. I don't care what nationality you are. Don't limit God. Don't limit God by your age. Don't limit God by your your finances. Don't limit God by anything. You know, our, our pastor, Lawson Purdue, I, I remember him saying so many times, I will not allow finances to determine what I can and cannot do. And I, I'm probably paraphrasing what he said. He's going to allow the Word of God to tell him what he can and cannot do. He's going to let God tell him what he cannot do. Uh, he can, In other words, he can do, he is who God says he is, and he can do what God says he can do. Every time Lawson calls me, every time we have a conversation, he always encourages me, Dave, do what God has called you to do. It's not based on finances. It's not based on anything else. It's based on the Word of God. And I'm not going to limit God to do what God's called me to do based on anything in this natural realm. Anyway, I'm getting fired up on some of this. Um... Uh, and another thing I want to piggyback on what Andrew said, you know, uh, just a statement uh, uh, towards the end. He says, uh, many of you want these results as you read this book, but are hesitant to receive the spark that caused uh, this explosion in my life. But you can't have the fruit without the root. Uh, especially that last phrase, you can't have the fruit without the root. If we want the fruit of God, the fruit of His Spirit, the fruit of, of, of everything that we're talking about, um, you know, I want to see lives healed. I want to see lives touched and set free by the power of God. Uh, you know, there's so many things I want to see God do in my life, in our lives, in our church, in our ministry, in many of your lives. But we can't have the fruit without the root. We have to have we, a relationship with God. We have to be abiding in Him. We have to be in the Word of God. We have to spend time in the Spirit. That's where that spark's going to come from. You can't have a spark without a fire. And the, He is the, the all-consuming fire. He is the fire of God. And if we're going to have a spark, we need to get close to the fire. Lately, we've been, we've been firing at the barbecue. 
You know, we didn't have a barbecue for a while because a couple years ago we thought we were going to move to Colorado, so we started downsizing and we gave, we had two barbecues that were given to us, uh, and we actually gave them to some needy families because we didn't, we were trying to downsize. Well, we ended up not going to Colorado, and so well, there goes our barbecues, you know. But anyway, God will give it to us again, and God gave us a barbecue a few months ago again. So we've had three free barbecues. God's God's good, you know. Uh, he He knows exactly what we we like, and and so we've been firing barbecue and bar- barbecuing some uh, good good meats on the on the on the grill, and you know when I fire that barbecue up, I'm waiting for that spark to spark it up uh, and spark that fire so we can uh, we can cook a good meal. At the same point in time, I remember through the years I've used charcoal through the years and start a fire, you know, and always fighting the wind and they get that fire in there and whatnot. But I noticed that, you know, with the barbecue, anytime you got the coals together and they're, they're, they're hot, but anytime you want to get the fire to go out, you separate the coals. But if you want, if they're still warm and hot, all you got to do is put the coals back together and that fire will get united. Now, if we're not spending time with God, if we want God to move mountains, we want God to use us, but we're not spending time with God, it, you can't do nothing without spending time with God. Jesus uh, spent time, didn't, didn't do anything without spending time with the Father. If you, and maybe you're like me in high school, when I said my classmates were getting on fire for God, but I wasn't. Maybe you're hearing this and you're, you're like, I mean, you're scrolling through Facebook and you're like, who's this couple sitting on the couch talking? You know, and so you're listening to this message and you're hearing our passion for God. You're like, how do I get that fire? How do I get that spark? How do I get that passion? Spend time with God. Get around like-minded believers. Uh, well, I'm under quarantine. Well, we, we're able to, we can still talk with you, even though we're under quarantine. And so get around God. Get around the people of God. Get around fellowship. Get around in the Word of God. Spend time with God and let Him light your fire. And, uh, and in, uh, anyway, I, I could spend so much time on this. You know, it said in, in Leviticus, I think, chapter 9, when they were dedicating the tabernacle, God said, he, uh, God, it says in, I think, Leviticus chapter 9, verse 24, it said that after they had prepared the burnt offering and everything to, to do it, that there came a fire from heaven and it lit the fire. It lit it. God told them in chapter 6 that they, the priests, were to keep the fire going, but God was going to light the fire. And the same thing happened in Second Chronicles chapter 7. Chapters 5, 6, and 7 talks about the dedication of Solomon's temple. And in the dedication of Solomon's temple, God lit the fire from heaven. It was a supernatural fire from heaven. Uh, I believe the same thing happened in, uh, uh, you know, at Pentecost. After, you know, in both cases, both the dedication of the tabernacle and the dedication of the temple in Second Chronicles chapter 7, it was after the burnt offering. Well, the burnt offering and the sin offering and all the offerings speak of Jesus. And the Pentecost, after the finished work of the cross, because all these offerings speak to Jesus. Jesus, our burnt offering, Jesus, our sin offering, was already offered up for us. And then God in Pentecost lit a fire. And on his church. And but God prophesied this in Haggai, in the book of Haggai, that the, 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 the fire, the glory that will be in this latter house will be greater than the glory that will be in the, the former house. God has lit a fire in his church at Pentecost. We, and we, church, we are in the best age of all times. No other age has ever experienced the finished work of the cross than this church age. 
No other age has experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit than this age. And we are also coming upon the end times. Jesus is coming through soon. Jesus is coming soon. I'm excited. I'm not excited about all the tribulation, but I'm excited about Jesus. I have Jesus. I have his fullness. I have his presence. I have his spirit. I have his nature. I have his fullness on the inside of me. I have the spirit of God on the inside of me. I have the finished work of the cross on the inside of me. I'm forgiven. And I, God, ha God has prepared us, church, for this age, for this hour, these end times, even this quarantine, even all these things going on in the world. God has prepared us, his church, to be a fire. To be the light of the world, to be the salt of the earth, and to set this world on fire with the glory of Jesus Christ. And anyway, I, I feel like I got on some rabbit trails. I'm fired up right now. I don't even know how I got to where I'm at. But it just, anyway, you have something to share, Sherry? You got. I, I, I do. Uh, go I go on all sorts of rabbit trails in my mind. I don't know if it's because I'm a woman or what, but whenever Dave preaches and gets excited, um, I just, I, you should see, if you saw inside my mind, you probably couldn't keep up because it explodes in every direction. Um, but um, one of the, the verses that Dave read this morning, he, he talked, he, uh, he shared three examples um, in the, the New Testament of Jesus saying, be of good cheer. And one of them was Matthew 9, 2. Uh, son be of good cheer your sins are forgiven you but also in I'm sorry my notes are are out of order um, I was in the wrong spot for, forgive me for being in the wrong spot because I have something else that I wanted to, to bring out I think it's in 6.50. Yes, it is. Mark 6, uh, verse 50, Jesus says, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Dave brought it out that um, we should have joy because th the God of glory lives in us. He is with us. It is I, he said. And, I mean, if anything is going to spark your fire, just knowing that the God of glory lives in you, I mean, no wonder we're overcomers, and we sh we I don't we don't have an excuse to to not believe otherwise. And again, I I preach to myself more than I preach to anybody else. Um, but when you know we we've been talking about this joy that Dave started a new message on. We're talking about not limiting God, but also you know when we realize who it is who lives in us. I mean, when Dave and I will be celebrating 20 years of marriage this May, and right. he is still my my most favorite person. Right. I love my family. I love his family. I love our friends and others. But he is, if I had a list, he is my number one natural person that I want to spend time with. I don't get tired of spending time with my husband. He's my favorite. But the funny thing is, when we became a couple and were courting, <coughs> we were like in the Disney movies. I don't know if it was Bambi or which movie it was uh, from my childhood, but the main character animal was like had, had stars and hearts in their eyes, and they were so like 
floating on clouds. They were, they were so much in love. And I remember my mom laughing at me because she would try to talk to me or get my attention. But all, I mean, all inside of me was just glowing. The man in my dreams loves me. And anytime Dave does anything romantic or something for me, I get that that way again. And if a natural husband of mine can make me feel that way, the God of glory living in me, talk about that spark of fire. We should be like fireworks, being just knowing who it is who lives in us. And of course we can can overcome it. It, it's just, I, I just, I almost can't grasp in the natural. The God of glory lives in me. The God of glory sent his own son to die for me. You know, Dave made a comment that we have to have that relationship with God. We have to spend time with him. And I cannot stress how important it is. But don't get caught up on the have to. We get to it's a joy just like it's a joy to be with my husband it's a joy to spend time with God and when when I don't because of getting distracted or maybe my day is busy because I didn't prioritize right whatever it looks like I can feel that um, the, 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 like the coals being separated because I'm not spending time with God I'm not having that relationship with God when we're in a busy season and we're not being able to talk to each other or spend time, we, we feel that. But even more so, when I don't have that time with God, oh golly, you probably don't want to be around me. It's, it's not a pretty sight. You know, I, I let things get to me. You know, I get tired when I'm, I get cranky when I'm tired. I get tired when I'm cranky too. But I'm trying to just be real when I don't spend that time with God I get to it's the most joyful thing you know we, we um, in the natural we you, we talk about eating right or exercising right about the endorphins and when we exercise this lifts our spirit spending time with God but having that relationship with God will so light your fire and talk about spiritual endorphins you want to have energy and and delight and joy in life you spend time with God and you make that a priority because you want to just like in a marriage spending time together or a best friend or maybe a family member that you love you know I, I when I spend time with my parents or have a phone call with them uh, when my mother-in-law reaches out to, to say she's she's praying for us, I mean those things just adds that cold to my fire. But that time with God, that relationship with God, I cannot describe that 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 fire. I just it is the most amazing fire, and we want that so much for you because your life will be so transformed. You will. Totally live out the calling that God has on your life, the purpose that you have in your life. Um, you will take the limits off God by spending that time with Him. You know, D Dave quoted, um, you know, his message about you know being in, in John 15. I encourage you to read that. It's it's Jesus talking about inviting 
abiding in the vine and bearing fruit. And I can't tell you how important it is as believers to abide in the vine, to have that relationship with the Lord. You know, going back with uh, this whole, uh, I guess we got on a sidetrack of uh, this fire burning in us and the relationship with God. But I don't have time to read the whole story, but the, in Luke chapter 24, we have the story of uh, Jesus on the road to Emmaus with the two disciples after the resurrection. And uh, making a long story short, uh, the, the two disciples at first didn't recognize it was Jesus who was walking on them on this journey on the road to Emmaus. Uh, and so as they were walking, Jesus, it's, I love this, it says in Luke 24, verse 27, the beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he, Jesus, expounded them all the scriptures of the things concerning himself. I would have loved that message where Jesus expanded all the scriptures concerning himself. Uh, and, you know, when, when he says scripture, he's using the Old Testament because they didn't have the New Testament yet. But anyway, that's a side point. That's not relevant so much right now. But what the point I'm trying to get to is in verse 31, 32, verse 32, when God, Jesus began to reveal it was him, as they began to take communion together, began to break bread together. In verse 32, and then, uh, when after Jesus had vanished from their sight, they, the two disciples said to each other, and they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? I'm reading all this to make one, one simple point. You know, the Word of God, the Bible's called, Jeremiah talks about it several, multiple times, how the Word of God is like a fire. But I've been, I've been given the analogy of coals on the fire. If, 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 if you feel like your passion for God, if your fire for God has gone out, I encourage you, I implore you to spend time with God. Uh, especially in this quarantine season, especially in the day and age where we are, but even on a good day, as you spend time with God and as God opens the scriptures to you, and as He pours out His heart to you, as you get the, the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him, that your heart will burn within you. You can't spend time with God and there not be a quickening, there not be an enlightening, there not be uh, a burning in your heart. Uh, for the things of God. You know, uh, even as we started this Bible study tonight, as the words have been opened up and the scriptures been opened up, there's a burning in my heart. There's a burning in my heart to preach the gospel, to teach the gospel, to minister. Um, anyway, uh, the, 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 the most important thing in my life and everything that we do is a relationship with God. I said it this morning, you know, a lot of people say the first relationship God created was marriage. No, I, I disagree. The first relationship God created was between God and man. Yes, God, yes, the marriage is important, but my relationship with my wife cannot be as full potential if I don't first have a relationship with God. I am limiting God in my marriage. I am limiting God in my ministry. I am limiting God in my finances. I am limiting God in my health if I don't first have a relationship with God. I am limiting God in my, my holiness and, and, and my... The, walking in godliness because we have all things that pertain to life and godliness in the knowledge of him that my relationship with him has to be priority and uh and there's some other things that are important too i mean the early church they were steadfast 
and to the apostles' doctrine, to fellowship, to breaking the bread, and to prayers. And so the, the four things that they had in their diet, and God, they multiplied daily. We can, even with this quarantine, we can still sit under the apostles' teaching. Even with this quarantine, we can still fellowship. It might not be the same. We need touch. We need hugs. We need all those different things. But we can still reach out to one another. Not just through a live stream teaching, but, but, uh, but also pick up on the phone, texting one another, calling one another, writing one another a letter. There's different ways, innovatively, and with technology, that we can still fellowship one another. Breaking bread together, we can still have communion. We can still be reminded of our that His body that was broken for us and His blood covenant that has been poured out for us. And this relationship we have with God, we can still pray and minister to one another in psalm, hymns, and spiritual songs. We can still minister to one another in, in so many ways. And so... You know, and even in our relationship, I know that there are times when we get busy. There's times that we things that happen. We know that we have to spend time with one another to rekindle some things, to get some things back into 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 sync. And so, with any relationship, you have to work on the relationship. With any relationship, you have to spend time, quality time together. You know, and it, it doesn't. And like Sherry said, it doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be a have to. Yes, it's essential. That's what I mean by have to. It's not a have to because it's a law. It's a have to because my life depends on it. Yes. That makes sense? But we get to. We get to spend time with each other. I like it when we go on special dates. I like it when we spend special time. But actually my favorite is just spending life together. It's just been doing things together. It's just goofing around together. Uh, uh, it's just uh, and doing life together. Those are my favorites. I love the special times. But actually, the, 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 the basic times are actually more special to me. Um, and same, same thing with God. God. Yes, there's special times. We come to church. We have live streams. We get in the Word of God. Sometimes it's more intense than others uh, in, in a good way. But, uh, but sometimes it's just me and God hanging out all day long. Has, I'm, he's always on my thoughts. I'm always thinking about Him. I'm, his Word is always on my heart. I'm spending time, time with God all the time. And those times are just as special. As at other times, and so anyway, uh, a relationship with God is always our greatest priority. We're not going to be effective in this world, especially in these last days. We're not going to be effective. Our own fire will go out, or it will go dim if we're not spending time with God. And by that, we will limit God, and we won't know God's purpose. But as we know God's purpose, as we spend time with God, God may have us do some things that are beyond us. Praise God! Praise God! Listen, let God call, I mean, God may call you to do things like Joshua, walk around the wall seven times on the seventh day and uh, walk around and shout and the walls will come down. God may have you do different things like, like Peter and cast your net on the other side of the boat. God may have you do some things like the, 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 the widow who needed to pay off her debts and gather all the jars from her community and pay off her debts. God may have you do certain things like go, go fishing and catch a coin out of the fish's mouth to pay your taxes. God may have you do some things by collecting the boy's lunch and, and giving thanks to it and multiplying it to feed the multitudes, to feed your neighborhood. To feed, if there's something that you want to do, even in this quarantine, even all that's going on, maybe there's a need that you want to reach. Maybe there's a community, maybe there's an outreach, maybe there's a need you want to reach, but you're like, where do I start? Where do I get the resources? God. Spend time with God. And do what God tells you to do. It might be beyond you. We have a, a Bible full of miracles. God is not limited. God's not limited by your bank account. 
God's not limited by your age. God's not limited by anything you have. God can move mountains. God can use someone like Gideon. God can use a young boy like David. Even Paul was a murderer. God can use people who was a persecutor of the church, now became the, 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 the apostle of grace that we glean from most of his letters today. God can use you beyond your wildest imagination according to his power that is at work in you. Anyway, you got something to share, Sherry? I do. To, again, piggyback on what we've been sharing, you know, we've had people come to us uh, for marriage counseling or other kind of counseling, and usually somewhere in the mix we share this one thing. The most important thing we can do for our spouse, for the person we're going to marry, for our family, for our, our community, for our church, for our circle of influence, is have that relationship with God. I cannot be the godly wife I am to support my husband in all his endeavors if I don't spend that time with God. The, I, I can help him in different ways around the house or this, that, and the other thing. It's all fine and dandy and good, but I can help him the most by me having a relationship with the Lord. You know, I, I grew up not realizing that I had been depending on my dad's relationship with the Lord. And then when we first started um, our marriage, I hadn't realized that I had depended on Dave for his relationship with the Lord to get me through life. And then we went through a season where Dave worked um, graveyard, and it just, talk about a spark. I realized that I needed my own relationship with the Lord. And I thought I had, but when I realized that I had been dependent on others instead of my own self having that relationship. Talk about leaps and bounds, my own faith. It it really just grew tremendously in that season where I started having that relationship with the Lord just all for myself. And that has really helped Dave the most by me being able to be the strong one when he is weak or when I'm the weak one, him being the strong one. Um, that is the best thing you can do for anyone, the most powerful thing. And again, if you have questions about what does a relationship with God look like, how do I do it, how, please help, um, go ahead and reach out to us uh, either in the comment line or I gave you the link at the beginning of, of all the comments when we started the, the Bible study. You can contact us uh, through our, our website. Uh, www.lighthousediscipleship.org and you know reach out because we've, we've struggled um, you know Dave shared his testimony when he was in high school I, I shared a little bit about my testimony about both of us realizing we needed that relationship with the Lord and we're telling you how essential it is but if you're still struggling with, with how, how, do I, how do I get this going what does it look like you know, really help, please reach out, because I can't tell you how beneficial it is, and I get the whole Bible study, we were, we've been, you know, going off Andrew's book, Don't Limit God, but it all starts out with that relationship with God, we can't tell you how beneficial and how important it is, and I can't stress it enough, 
um, just it's the most wonderful thing in your life if you can can have that relationship. Well, we're going to wrap it up today. Uh, we've been doing uh, Don't Limit God by Andrew Womack. And so this is part four. We will have this archive on our website like we do the last three weeks. And we'll be back here next week. If you have any questions, any prayer requests, anything, feel free to reach out to us. Like Sherry said, uh, or any comments uh, on the Facebook uh, dialogue below. Or you can even reach out to us through Messenger, uh, Facebook Messenger. Or you can actually reach out to us through our website at lighthousedisciplship.org. So anyway, God bless you. It's been fun to be with you guys. Uh, we just love the Word of God. We love you guys. And so if we can minister to you, help you in any way, just let us know uh, if we're here. But uh, have a great week um, and expect God to do great things. Enjoy your time with God this week. Okay. God bless you, and we'll see you soon. All right. God bless.